Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Olivia Wiley, who owns Leafing Out Professional Gardening. And they're a small landscaping company that focuses on helping clients to cut their water bills, make their garden into a native habitat for the local wildlife. Hey, Olivia, welcome to the show. Hey. Great to meet you folks. Can you expand a bit more on you know, where you are with your business today and the kind of people and clients that you'd love working with? Absolutely. Uh, we are in an interesting point of transition where I just signed the paperwork in February to go from being a sole proprietor of 10 years to an S Corp, which Yay! is exciting and also terrifying. <laughs> uh, nice. But we've, we've, um, my business is officially a teenager and it's growing. Mm-hmm. And as for what kind of clients I love to work with, I love to work with folks who are looking to make their garden more native to Colorado, um, people who are interested in helping our ecology, and also folks who are, I call it doe eyed. They're just looking at me in utter panic, going, help. I have a big garden and I don't know what to do with it. I love helping folks go from help to, oh, I have a garden. Isn't it beautiful? I can now enjoy it. Yes. And it's not full of dangerous plant or dangerous toxic invasives that might kill my dog. That always helps. Yeah. Good point. Nice. Yeah. We have several invasive plants that are just nasty. Well, so what was it that that prompted you to want to start this business? What was it that made you go, yep, this is for me. This is what I want to do. Well, that's a great question. I came at this at a bit of a winding path. So my grandmother was sort of the off the books doctor of the little town I come from. If people couldn't afford to go to the hospital, they'd come to her and she grew a bunch of plants to help out with that. She was a registered nurse. Uh, She's retired now, but she also helped out off the books. And when she was doing stuff like that, she would, you know, teach me how to do plants, teach me how to take care of things. And then she started showing me how to take care of people who weren't doing so great, people who were sick, people who were suffering. And I found out in my mid-teens that I did not handle it when people were sick. I couldn't handle it when people were suffering and I couldn't do anything about it. So as I got older, I 
gave up on impressing my grandma by becoming a doctor and switched to sticking with horticulture because I'd always been good at the garden part. So did my degree in horticulture at CSU and came out of it with a good grounding, had a couple of industry jobs and realized that what was required of me as a human being was to turn off my emotions in order to work in landscaping because it's very masculine dominated and machismo based industry in a lot of the companies. And I hit a point where I had a family emergency and I essentially said, what am I doing? I'm killing myself for this company to the point where I didn't notice that my family needed me. And now we're in this situation. So I quit that position. Um, I was a head crew lead at the time and horticulturist with a large commercial landscaping company. And I said to myself, okay, I love working outside. I love working with my hands, but I need to be able to leave work if my family needs me. And I need to be able to sit down at the end of the day and not worry about who's going to yell at me tomorrow. So some of my friends say, oh, you're so brave that you did this. You started a business and I tell them the truth, which is honestly, I was so scared of having to learn the ins and outs and personalities of another, I'm looking for a polite term, machismo uh, landscaping company, and then get sick of it after I'd put too much work in. I'd rather work by myself. I was too scared to interview with another company. It was easier to start my own. Hey, this, this, I'm just going to pause, let's pause that story right there. That, that's right there is a huge thing. So many people who've, especially on this podcast, I've spoken to struggled with different bosses, different companies. And there's a last straw where, you know, you were given, you written off for being late after you've taken care of your daughter or all these things happen that is, that's it. Damn it. I'm going to do it for myself because there's a better way and I can employ people and be the better boss because they've shown me how I'm not going to be as an employer. Yes. And I, I definitely had that. Um, nice. For me, it was a double whammy. It was, um, a, and don't worry, this was not traumatic. It was a, a small situation of sexual harassment at work. And then we had a suicide scare in the family, which was a much bigger whammy. And that right. was the one that made me look and say, oh my gosh, this company does not care about me, but I was giving it so much of my life that I didn't notice the warning signs back home. Oh dear. And those were not the words I used. The words I used were unprintable. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, you definitely hit that point where you just say, either you say, okay, I give up, or you say, okay, enough. And um, one of my rules for business as I was learning when I was in my late teens and early 20s was to look at the people 10 years ahead of me. And if they hated their job, I needed to keep moving. I needed to keep looking for a different job. That, no, and, that. Ooh, there's be some beautiful knowledge there. Once you saw that pattern, it's like, ah, this isn't going to end up well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I, I started to um, notice at the company that I quit when I, um, when the honeymoon wore off, let's put it that yeah. way, because I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So my first, I'd say six weeks are always, yes, sir. Three bags full, sir. 
that's just my personality and I'll bring coffee to work and I'll bring coffee for the whole group. And once that wore off, I realized that most of the people there were talking about how much they hated the job. And essentially that was the first straw. And the Mm. last straw was, as I said, that double whammy. So um, for folks looking to decide, should I move on? If everyone at work hates the job, move on. (laughs) Now that's, we teach here to listen to yourself, to really follow your intuition and you can feel when it's, when decision is right. And so what you've described there is, yeah, true. But also you can look around you and be like, it's obvious. This is not the right environment. I can actually see it with my own eyes. Yes. And a lot of times it does start to show. Uh, And yes, you've got to follow your intuition um, because my training was buckle down, suck it up, work harder. And I went with that for a little bit. And then I just said, why? This is miserable. And of course, there are some days where I tell my crew, um, I now have a crew of nine folks. I tell my crew there are bite the bullet days. For example, you've got two yards of rock to get down. But the difference is we shovel two yards of rock, we get it down, and we're all sore and stiff and we laugh about it. And then we go out for pizza as a team. Um, and I treat the treat the folks to pizza as opposed to I've seen other companies and been in other companies where if you say anything about it being hard, somebody will call you out for being a weakling. And that's ridiculous. Of course, it's hard. It's physically demanding work. And anybody who tells you different has a bridge to sell you. (laughs) Nice. So crumbs, so you've been through an awful lot and we've seen that sort of transition. Now, let's fast forward to today. So now you've, you've built your business on the, on the values that you know your company should have. And damn it, you yes. want people to enjoy and be part of. So how has it been recently as you've come through, as, as you said, as your company gets to the, sort of the, the teenage years and it works its way through? Um, what's it like now? What's, what's going on? Well, um, it's an exciting, just like your teenage years, it's exciting and terrifying in equal measure. Um, I have a wonderful crew. I have one senior consultant who's been in the industry longer than I've been alive. I'm in my 30s. Um, And she is the crew mom, we call her. Uh Um, I have a field coordinator who makes sure that all of the text messages about, I've got a flat tire, I'll be 20 minutes late. Uh, we just found whatever on site, da, 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 gets to me in a digestible way. So Laura will come to me and say, okay, this, this, this. And then we have one young designer who's learning the trade. Um, and we have two, fo- two younger folks who are learning to be horticulturists. And we have a um, coordinator excuse me, administrative coordinator who is in the office and getting texts from me that say something along the lines of, no near help, the state's doing it again. We get some random piece of paperwork and I just text my coordinator and say, help, fill it out (laughs) Um, in a very pathetic, helpless, they are doing it to me again way. (laughs) 
but these are the things that you need to do. These are things that you need to be able to, to offer out. So as you've grown your business, what is it like for you to, to start to wear that hat, to really be, be the boss, to what, what we spoke offline about the voices that are, that go around our head as we, as we try and do the right thing. What's that like? Um, there are a lot of demons to fight. I will say that honestly, it's worth the battle, but there are a lot of demons to fight. The hardest thing for me is accepting that in my industry, finances are fluctuating. So there's a time of the year that by the very nature of the work, money is tight. And that's right now because we've gone through the winter's money. We haven't been paid for the month of March yet but I need to pay everybody's wages, of course, and their healthcare. And it's easy for me as a personality and as a physical being to start to get anxious and that anxiety can spiral if I'm not careful Mm. into self-shaming that if you were more careful with money, if you hadn't taken the crew out to Starbucks after that one job, if you hadn't bought this or done that, then you wouldn't be broke right now, which is objectively ridiculous when we're we're spending 5000 a week on payroll and we're doing everything that a business of our sites needs to do. Uh, taking the crew out to Starbucks is not going to break our budget. That is a drop in the ocean. That is not the be all end all, right? But um, my upbringing taught me that you can live at the bare minimum survival. And because you can, you should. And I am trying to unlearn that lesson, especially Mm -hmm. since, yes, you can keep your crew on bare minimum, no benefits, but it costs you in other ways because you end up having a higher turnover because yeah, people go, I'm getting paid $15 an hour with no benefits or in some worst cases, $12 an hour with no benefits. And you work me like a dog. Bye. As opposed to me, I start my people at $18 an hour for no experience and work them up from there. And we have benefits and we have half pay through the winter. And the point of those is yes, I take care of my people, but also it's enlightened self-interest. If you treat your people well, they stick around and you don't have to retrain people. Yes, and this, I just want to double tap on that, the programming that you've had from from your your upbringing, from all these other different sources. Now, that could so easily keep you stuck, not growing your business. And that's the mentality, the shift of this. I mean, again, chatting offline, we chat about an awful lot of things, but, you know, taking out things like business loans, and seeing that as a negative rather than, no, no, this is an investment that is borrowing capital for your business in order to grow. It's not a, a cost or a negative. So there's, there's good and bad yeah. debt. There really are. sees it in a different yeah. way than the, the employed mindset. Yes. And untraining your brain from, I would say, survival mindset if you grew up in that mindset is such a challenge because I definitely got the feedback as a young person of we don't beg we stand on our own feet we never beg and the first time I needed to take out a business loan I was sick to my stomach ashamed 
saying to myself, if I'd been more careful, I wouldn't have to go begging to the bank. But that is unrealistic. And I still fight that as an, you know, even at this point in my business, I still fight that feeling of you must have messed up if you have to take a loan out. Can I offer a different perspective? Absolutely. And again, logically, you probably know this already. However, why can't there be somewhere beautiful in between? There's a standing on your own two feet and there's the begging for help. What you've done is the perception of I'm having to go to the bank to beg for help. Really, I'm going to this financial institution who's going to provide ethically for my business. And this is exactly what I need in order to continue to provide and therefore grow. So if, again, perception, oh my gosh, it counts for a lot to see this for what it truly is. And yes, you, know, you, you get to look at whatever, if you want to see it as negative, of course you can. If you want to see it as a positive, ah, you yeah. also can. So I, I know yes. it's tough. So trying to find out where that perspective comes in is, is a massive, that's a superpower. It really is. It really is changing that viewpoint and also learning to take pride in a different set of, um, a different set of abilities. So I grew up with that don't beg mindset, but I'm learning to say to myself, I'm resourceful enough to find the funding for my business. Like my strength is not in rugged individualism. It's in networking and in uh, resource management and knowing where to get the resources is sometimes that. Now, do I still have nights where I look at the finances and start to cry? Yes, I do. But I'm also trying to learn to take pride in the fact that I can go to the bank and say, this is what I need. Here are my finances. And they go, oh, yeah, here you go. Because, you know, I've been responsible in my borrowing and in my lending. And that's no shame on anybody who's in trouble because sometimes somebody gets sick, something bad happens, and suddenly you're tumbling off a cliff. Um, But you know, I'm, I'm teaching myself to take pride in, Hey, I'm doing okay. If the bank is giving me money without too much hassle, I'm doing okay. Yeah. And that, and pride, let's, let's talk about that because the ability to be, you, you chose this, you chose yes. these challenges. You wanted to have a yes. business with staff, with seasonal fluctuations. You wanted this. So if you can't, yes cope if you can't manage these particular challenges the next ones at the next level how are you supposed to be given those that has definitely that has definitely run through my head along the lines of and bleep this if you need to but what the hell am i doing <laughs> um and one of Let's the not hardest that. things fuck yes absolutely <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah there there are definitely moments of I think I actually said to uh, Martha, our senior consultant, several times um, in the first year that we worked together, uh, maybe I'm not right for this. And um, she just took me by the shoulders and said, you're right for this. You're tired. It's hard. Go home, take a nap, get some sleep. And she was right. Each time it was just, I was exhausted from too much all at once. And I needed to rest. Now, there's no owner, shame if you. Oh, lot, go ahead. There's, there's a lot as a business owner. There's an awful. It is. Lot you it have is. To juggle, and you said already that yeah, you're a 
great gardener, but maybe not the best business person because this isn't your makeup and your learning. Oh my gosh, yes. people out there, you want to spread the message that, you know, you can do it as well. Look what you've been yeah. able to build. Yeah. And I, I want to tell the next young ladies coming up, you know, some people will tell you, oh, you can't go into that. Oh, you know, that's not for you. Yes, it is. Is it going to suck sometimes? Oh, God, yes, it is. <laughs> but is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. Every little bit is going to be worth it. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of pride involved and learning to take pride in what you're good at instead of shaming yourself for what you're not good at is a big part of the work. Um, for instance, I went through a period when I first started the business where I had a choice to make. I, um, there, I had one extremely lucrative client who wanted me to be her full-time gardener. She has a two acre yard, two acre garden, um, intensively planted. I could spend all week there quite easily, but I realized I don't really want to be the gardener to the manor. I love this client. She's a great client, mm. but when it came down to it, I said to myself, I want to build something else. I want to build something that's more than being you know, the gardener on one property. And that was, that was a challenge to me because it was a choice between stability and simplicity, which are tempting and thinking, I, this is no offense to my client, but I don't want to just work for a rich person. I want to help my community and I Mm. want to work for my community that's and yeah there's fulfillment there's community there's connection but my first point was was it it's it's so hard that decision is there's security there's safety now you're battling straight into your program and how you were brought up and all these things your brain is going nuts saying you're an idiot take it take it with we're finally safe this exactly and that i can i can i can feel that i can feel exactly what's going on there so yeah it's an interesting yeah. shift. So your one question there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, um, it's just, it's been it. a balancing. Oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, you found it. You, you said it yourself. What, what did yeah, you, what I, I did. And there have been several transition points like that. Um, the second transition point I made was when I realized I had planned to just be a one man shop work by myself because you know, sink or swim, I'd figure it out. I'd work by myself and I was getting more clients and I was tired all the time. And I finally said, you know what? I do know enough that I won't hurt someone else if I hire them. I won't mess their life up. And that was a huge step out of security and into the unknown. Because for me, the idea of being responsible for someone else's, not to be patronizing, but you know, someone else's livelihood mm-hmm. was terrifying. I, I was not a boss. I was a gardener. I was a person who took care of plants. And now and, you take care of people as well. <gasps> yes. And it's been one of my greatest prides at 
at this point in my career. Um, so I have, I, I misspoke earlier. I have three younger people under me and a couple of folks who are peers in age to me. And then one person who's much older than me. Uh, but these younger folks watching them come into the business and just blossom is so exciting because uh, not to sound patronizing, but I can be the boss that I wish I'd had at their age. And I can be the one who, you know, says, Hey, I don't mean to mother hen you, but what you're doing there, I did that once and I was in bed for three days. Like, I love you guys. Don't do that. Don't <laughs> make my mistakes. To, yeah, don't follow my mistakes. And that's been my main uh, um, approach it. with management is, hey, guys, that's a bad idea. Ask me how I know, because I've already made that mistake. And usually it's something physical or something um, logistical. And it's just a matter of I end up getting to tell a lot of war stories. <laughs> yeah, if you do that, you you split your finger open. And guess how I know? <laughs> And also you get to share the war stories like on podcasts like this about yourself as a business owner. You're going through a lot of this. Some of it's like, it's still the wounds. It's tough. The oh, guilt, yeah. the voices is hard. But yes, to, to quote you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Look at what you've built. Look at what you're doing. Look at the good in the gardens in nature and also with the yeah. people. So, hey, Olivia, thank you so, so much for sharing your journey so far as you continue to progress um and from your perspective as as the business owner absolutely fantastic look if people want to find out more about you and your business where can they find you they can find me at www.leafingoutgardening.com i'm also on etsy under leafing out because in the winter times i write illustrated books about the plant world and so you'll find a bunch of art about plant life on there. Awesome. And books well, about plants. Go check those books out. And uh, yeah, Olivia, thanks again for sharing. It's been, it's been so much fun. Yeah, thank you for your time. Welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? We ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is. And we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah. So please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.